Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. I'd like to talk to you in this podcast about the religious factors undergirding the Syrian civil war. It isn't good news that the Syrian civil war isn't just a secular problem. Uh, It actually has at its heart serious and long-term religious tensions, and this is not good news for the United States. First of all, it means that old animosities are likely to survive uh, any negotiated settlement or military solution. In other words, the religious tensions that have lasted for centuries are very likely, of course, to survive whatever comes of this current crisis. Uh, It also means that while the rest of the world's thinking in terms of the normal things of military action, army, rebels, contested territory, the folks actually fighting this war are thinking in terms of spiritual and religious issues like righteous warriors and holy causes and the will of God. And probably the most important aspect of all of it uh, is that it means that the U.S. government, I hate to say this, is unlikely to handle it all well. They're likely to handle it clumsily. The U.S. government simply does not handle religious issues well when it comes to international crises. We think of ourselves as a secular country, at least officially, and so we don't tend to take religion seriously when it comes to other parts of the world. The you know recent war in which we had a hard time distinguishing between Shiite and Sunni Uh, and had horrible problems as a result is an example. The same issues happened in Vietnam and our lack of understanding of Buddhism. It it just goes on and on. So, you know, the problem is really that Americans tend to think of their, uh, almost all wars in terms of their revolution. There's an oppressive leader. There's a people wanting freedom and popular democracy. uh, And everybody thinks the leaders should be pulled down so that democracy can reign. That's not what's going on in Syria. It's simply not. Um, it's it's uh, far different, far, far different. And because we tend to uh, treat the Syrian war as though it's this American Revolution type of tension, uh, we can make some pretty serious mistakes. Um, the, the fact of the matter is in Syria uh, that the vast majority of the people are Sunni Muslims. Now, this is the mainstream of Islam worldwide. Uh, it's about 90% of Muslims worldwide. They tend to believe that the leader of Islam ought to be Uh, someone chosen from the Islamic community, the Ummah. They look forward to the return of a Mahdi, a a quote-unquote rightly guided one who will restore the glory of Islam to the world. Um, And they are, uh, the best way to say it is, mainstream Muslims. But the the other uh, portion, uh, major portion of Muslims are the Shiites. You've heard this term many times over the last years because of the wars and tensions in the Middle East. And these are more mystical, uh, more inflamed I would say, more easily incited um, Muslims. Uh, They believe that the uh, leader of Islam should be a direct lineal descendant of Muhammad, uh, an anointed one who continues the line of Muhammad. They believe the Mahdi, uh, this rightly guided one, is already on earth but is in hiding. Um, And they're deeply mystical about most other matters of faith. If you just just come close to tainting or touching one of their... uh, uh, their memorials, for example, you can you can inspire a riot. It's uh, it's it's really rather unusual and, and difficult to see. Well, of the Shiites within the Shiites, there's another minority, uh, and they're called the Alawites. Again, very mystical, very secretive, uh, coming out of another view of who ought to lead Islam. These these folks arise, oh, let's say around the 10th century A.D. 
and um, they are they are uh, so mystical that sometimes even uninitiated Alawites don't uh, aren't allowed to know what Alawites believe. Very secretive, very mystical. Um, a, a history of persecution and tremendous tension with the Sunnis, uh, and really their their lives didn't get set right until around World War One, uh, with a lot of the arrangements made in the Middle East by the European powers, and still uh, the Alawites have lived uh, some difficult years. The the issue that you need to understand about Syria right now is that the Assad family, Bashar al-Assad, his father Hafas al-Assad, they are Alawite. Uh, Most of the military are Alawite, again, deeply mystical, Shiite, secretive, uh, even though now, of course, the Syrian government is officially secular. But they have been in tension with the Sunnis, who are the the majority of the country, for many, many years. And this has led to uh, tension. It's led to bloodshed. And that's why those of us who pay attention to these things aren't too surprised uh, that you see uh, sarin gas being used by I'm sorry, Bashar al-Assad against his own people. Uh, horrible. Um, in 1982, this man's father, Bashar al-Assad's father, whose name was Hafiz al-Assad, um, actually asked his brother, who was in command of military forces, uh, essentially to devastate uh, a town called Hama. Uh, the brother later boasted of having murdered 38,000 people. Uh, New York Times columnist Thomas Friedman believes that the number killed was more in the range of 10 to 20,000. But he says that what really happened, though, regardless of the numbers, is that now uh, people in the Middle East, particularly people like Bashar al-Assad, the president of Syria, plays by what he calls the Hama rule, which is we're going to engage in such horror. We're going to devastate lives. We're going to generate such bloodshed that it basically challenges the manhood of the West, um, causes our enemies to cower, and just shows that we are uh, the strong people. We are the, we're the biggest bullies on the block. And so this is what's going on uh, in Syria. You don't just have what we're being told in, in the press and, in, in, of course, by our government leaders, um, simply a dictator, uh, a ruler who's trying to maintain control against a popular uprising. That is not the case. Um, the word on the street in Syria is that uh, Bashar al-Assad has to, chosen this moment to wipe out the Sunnis in his country. And so there's a sort of recruitment going of, of Sunnis all around the Middle East who are flooding into Syria uh, to fight against what they believe to be uh, a holy war of extermination, that the Alawites uh, want to exterminate the Sunnis. In fact, if you saw that horrible picture in the New York Times and that bit of film on television where um, men were lined up shirtless on the ground, bent over, and uh, rebels uh, spoke for a moment and then shot them all in the head. Uh, you may know that the man who was uh, speaking said, uh, called the men on the ground Alawites. In other words, he wasn't speaking of government troops. He didn't say Bashar al-Assad's troops, the president's troops. No, he said these are Alawites. He was speaking in religious terms. And that is almost always the case in detentions in the Middle East. You are not just dealing with secular, democratic versus uh, tyrannical secular forces. You're dealing with ancient religious tensions. Maybe the best way for me to close this out um, is to say that I was on a plane once flying into Jordan. I turned to a friend of mine and mentioned the phrase that is the sort of the official name of Jordan, the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan. My friend, uh, who was Jordanian, uh, explained to me who the Hashemites were, uh, that they had controlled Mecca centuries ago. And then he looked at me very evenly, very calmly, and very fiercely and said, and we want it back. 
Now, the Hashemites had not ruled uh, Mecca for a thousand years. And yet my friend, a very well-educated man uh, who was accompanying me into, into uh, Jordan, uh, as a Hashemite himself, absolutely believes that centuries later, the Hashemites should have Mecca back. Now, from a secular perspective, that's just folly. But that's the way these blood oaths, that's the way these generational tensions, that's the way these generational tribal aspirations work. And we're going to have to be more sophisticated uh, if we're going to deal with these things in the Middle East. The fact is that in that part of the world, hate is holy. We're not witnessing an American-style revolution in Syria. We're witnessing carnage that is fruit of a culture in which hate is holy. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times best-selling author, a popular speaker, a frequent faith and culture commentator on CNN, Fox, and the Huffington Post. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Faith of Barack Obama, The Search for God in Guinness, Lincoln's Battle with God, and Killing Jesus. You can learn more about Stephen at mansfieldgroup.com and connect with him on Facebook and on Twitter under the name Mansfield Writes. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is produced by Isaac Darnold, who also wrote, performed, and produced the Rockin' and Rollin' Podcast theme song. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production.